This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. We're going to be in the 38th Psalm today. Uh, Our series title is A Soundtrack for Life. And we've been looking at different uh, chapters or different songs, really is what they are, uh, penned by David and some of the other writers of the Psalms. Many different types of songs are written in the book of Psalms. Uh, Many different types of songs are written modern day culturally as well. Um, my, My daughters, I listen to a wide variety of music, if that offends you, I'm sorry. Uh, but I listen to a wide variety of music, and my, uh, my daughter's, my, my youngest daughter's, Avery, she's like, Daddy, every country song, every single country song is about love and whiskey. That's what she said, <laughs> love and whiskey. And I'm like, oh, you kind of have a point. But, uh, but uh, anyway, but there's a lot of songs. A lot of songs are written out of, out of really happy places. A lot of songs are written with kind of a celebratory or... Uh, an upbeat atmosphere, but a lot of songs are also written from a very dark place. Uh, songs that speak to kind of the, the human struggle. And it's no different in the book of Psalms. I think sometimes in the book of Psalms we think of, you know, uh, praise ye the Lord and praise ye the Lord and praise ye the Lord. And there's a lot of that. And we're going to see some of those Psalms as we go through. Uh, but, but David and other uh, Psalm writers oftentimes spoke from some very difficult places of life. We don't always like to think of it that way, but this psalm in Psalm 38 is one of those psalms. In fact, the title of today's message is Deal With It. Deal With It. Um, you know, you co- there comes a point in time in all of our lives where we get old enough to where someone just looks at us and says, deal with it. Right? Deal with it. I'll never forget the first, I was in college and I had car trouble and just shooting straight with you, I was an only child and I was possibly a tad bit spoiled and um, can neither confirm nor deny, uh, but I was an only child and I was, I had car trouble and for the first time I called my dad and I'm like, hey dad, like FYI, like I got this and this and this to get done on my car. Like, you know how it is, especially in college, everything happens at once. You can't just go, it's gotta be like 14 things to, you know, in order for your car to run smoothly. And so I said, dad, this is the list of everything's gotta get, it's gotta get done, you know? And he's like, what are you calling me for? Deal with it. And I'm like, father, that's not why I called you. Um, but we all come to a point where it's like, okay, you got a problem? And you need to deal with it, right? Well, David, the problem David was, was facing and dealing with in the 38th Psalm is the, a problem that we all deal with. In fact, we are all dealing with it currently right now. And that problem is the problem of sin. The problem of sin. And there must come a point in time in our spiritual lives as followers of Jesus where we deal with it. We deal with it. The problem of sin began in the Old Testament and prior to Genesis chapter 3, obviously with Lucifer and his fall from 
heaven, but we see it in a physical sense in our world in Genesis chapter 3. And we see and we saw Satan come in the form of a serpent and deceive Eve and deceive Adam uh, into eating of the fruit that they knew they were commanded to abstain from and thus began the process of sin. We see it all throughout the New Testament, the Old Testament, and then into the New Testament. We see sin in the lives of, of people. We see sin that has taken hold in people's lives. In Romans chapter 7, possibly the greatest Christian that we know, the Apostle Paul, writes about sin and his struggle with sin in Romans chapter 7. And he says things like this, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I really want to do, those things I don't do. It's basically Paul saying, I want to do what's right, but I keep on doing wrong. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I keep on doing it. Like, I keep on having this struggle, the struggle of sin. And we all understand, because of Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, that that sin nature from Adam was passed down. For about one man, sin enters the world. So death passed upon all men, because all men have sinned. We have what we call a sinful nature. And can I say this? Our culture has now, for some reason, made it extremely, not only culturally acceptable, but the norm to say, if this is what you are feeling, then this is who you are, and this is how you must act out. If these are your desires, then that is who you are. How many of you understand, if we all live like that, we would live in chaos. Just because you have sinful desires this morning does not give us license to live lives of sin. All that to say we live in a culture driven in sin, driven by sin, and where sin is celebrated. Celebrated as freedom of expression. Where, where sin is celebrated as, oh, you know, I know that what you believe does not line up with Scripture, but that's your truth. That's your truth. That's, that's what it means to you. And we celebrate that in our culture. Psalm chapter 18, I'm sorry, 38. We're going to read through this psalm this morning. I want us to pay close attention to the words that David pens. Obviously, as we do every week, the words will be on the screen if you do not have your Bible. Verse 1 begins, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your wrath, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. For your arrows pierce me deeply, and your hand presses me down. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head. Like a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long, for my loins are full of inflammation and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and severely broken. I groan because of the turmoil of my heart. Lord, all my desires before you and my sighing is not hidden from you. 
My heart pants, my strength fails me. As for the light of my eyes, it also has, has gone from me. My loved ones and my friends stand aloof from my plague, and my relatives stand afar off. Those also who seek my life lay snares for me. And those who seek my hurt speak of destruction and plan deception all the way all the day long. But I, like a deaf man, do not hear. And I am like a mute who does not open his mouth. Thus I am like a man who does not hear and in whose mouth is no response. We just read through a detailed look into the life and the heart of a, of a man named David. There is no record of when this was penned. Uh, we're not, we know that, for instance, Psalm 51 was penned after David's sin with Bathsheba. Uh, this may fit in that exact same time frame, uh, but that we do not know for sure. All that we know is that David was dealing with some sin in his life. And let me just say this, that oftentimes churches, and if I can be real, oftentimes churches that have a little bit more of a, a casual dress um, and sing more progressive music, maybe like that we would sing, kind of get, this, uh, get this, this broad brush of, well, they're so soft on sin, they just want to just attract everybody to come to the church. And they just want to talk about how much, you know, Jesus just loves you. And Jesus wants to give you all this money. And he has houses waiting for you. Um, no, we always, we always preach the 100% truth of this book. 100%. Today we're going to deal with the subject of sin. And can I say this? That there's not one person in this room that this sermon does not apply to. Every single one of us deal with sin. Every single one of us. And today I want us to think through what David says and how it, how it applies in our lives as we deal with sin. Heavenly Father, speak through your word. God, I pray that there'd be some repentance that takes place today. God, that there would be some honest evaluation that takes place. God, you don't want to use a wicked and sinful vessel, God. You want to clean us from the inside out. You want to sanctify us as we sang about earlier. God, help us to be willing. Help us to be willing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning I want us to see some observations about sin. Some observations about sin. First of all, I want us to see the burden of sin. The burden of sin. Look at verse 3. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds are foul and festering because of my sin. You see, sin brings with it a burden. The burden of sin is often quoted by preachers and, and pastors for, for decades. That burden of sin and that burden of sin that we carry, if we do not deal with our sin, will continue to seem to get heavier and heavier and heavier 
and heavier. The burden of sin that we carry. In fact, Spurgeon said it this way, it is well when sin is an intolerable load and when the remembrance of our sins burdens us beyond endurance. Spurgeon says, we, came to, we come to a good point in our lives where the burden of sin becomes so heavy that we can no longer tolerate it. That's what he's saying. Where the burden of our sin weighs us down so much that we have nowhere else to turn. Sin brings with it a burden. Sin brings with it a weight that I think we all understand. It gets larger and larger and larger. You see what happens, what begins sometimes is a small little sin that we don't really concentrate on will eventually wind up becoming bigger and the snowball effect will take place and will get a little bit bigger and that sin will take over a little bit more hold and that sin will get a little bit bigger and take over a little bit more hold before we know it. We have major, major problems and issues in our life due to our sin. The burden. The fact is this, that burden of sin will eventually wind up either taking over your life and you will spiral down in your sin as we see people on a regular basis. Or you will be able to bear it, but you will bear your burden of sin with this one word, and it's called guilt. You'll bear that burden of sin, and you'll let that sin stay in your life, but you live under this cloud of guilt. You know it's wrong. You know there's sin in your life, but you're still going to grit your way through it, and you're still going to pull yourself up, and you're still going to paint that fake smile on your face when you come to church, and you're still you're going to cuss at your kids in the car, but you're going to tell them to shut up in church because we got to make sure we're good because we can't have people knowing what's going on in our house because we got to put on a good face because we're guilty of our sin on the inside. The guilt that the burden of sin can bring that burden will either take over your life and completely cripple you. You will live with this constant feeling of guilt. Or, the burden of sin will take us to a place of brokenness. Of brokenness. And that's what we see here in this passage. Our second point this morning is the brokenness of sin. So the burden of sin that's carried, that gets heavier and heavier and heavier turns to the brokenness of sin. And David in verse 6 says, I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. For my loins are full of inflammation. There is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and severely broken. I groan because of the turmoil in my heart. I mentioned earlier that psalms and songs of of repentance were nothing new for David. He penned several of them in the book of Psalms. But David comes to the place where he is broken. He's in a broken state over his sin. Notice the wording that David uses. He says he is in mourning or he is in sorrow, uh, weeping even all day. He is feeble and broken. 
He says he has turmoil in his heart. You see, that burden of sin got so heavy in the life of David that he was broken over his sin. He was broken. And I I firmly believe that the transition from the burden of sin to the brokenness of sin is where many Christians get caught up. I believe that in our churches, I believe that there are are saved people that attend church every Sunday that live under the burden of sin. And they live in that guilt, and they live in that weight, and they live in that internal struggle. And it's because they refuse to take the step from the burden to being broken. We don't like being broken. We don't like anything that's broken. If you buy something and it's broken, you take it back. If you go outside and you're, and you're working in the yard and you break your ankle, that's a problem. Lindsay, testify. All right, right? Um, that's a problem. If you break something, we don't like being broken. But the truth is, if we're going to ever take the step from the burden of sin that we carry and the guilt and the weight that we carry in our sin, and we're ever going to take a step towards God, it's going to be a step into brokenness. Brokenness over our sin. Let me ask you, Christian, let me ask you, church member, let me ask you, leader, let me ask you, uh, pastor, let me ask you, volunteer, when is the last time that the sin in your life caused you to break? A brokenness about your sin. That comes out in many ways. It often comes out in tears. It often comes out in a, 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 an emotional display. But the fact is this, there are too many Christians and too many people in this room and too many people in my house and too many people in churches all over this world that claim the name of Jesus Christ who can sin and never think twice about it. There's far too many Christians, and, and I myself included, that can go throughout my week and sin and not think twice about sin. We can say the things that we shouldn't say or think the things that we shouldn't think and and we can treat people in ways that we know we should not treat them and we can move right along because we've gotten so calloused to our sin. We've gotten so flippant about what God calls unrighteousness. We've We've become so calloused to the one thing that sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross. That was our sin. That's why he came. But we sin and we don't think twice. We sin and it's no big deal. We sin and because it's private sin, it's only affecting me. That's the biggest lie that the devil convinces you of. No, there's sin in our lives and we're bearing the burden of that sin. We carry the guilt and the weight of that sin. But we must come to a point of brokenness. By the way, I'm preaching this sermon to believers. Okay, I understand that the Sin, weight, and guilt was lifted at Je- in, in the name of Jesus. But we struggle with sin after we're saved. And that's what I'm speaking to today. By the way, the, the same answer for the unsaved is the same answer for the saved, and that's the gospel, that's Jesus. But we see our burden of sin that we carry, and we see the brokenness of sin that it caused in the life of David. Thirdly, I want us to see this morning the abandonment of sin. This is a tough one. The abandonment of sin. Look at verse 11. My loved ones and my friends 
stand aloof from my plague, and my relatives stand afar off. This is not an everyday occurrence, but I believe it's worth notating that there comes a point in time in a person's life where their sin becomes so overwhelming in their lives that the people that they love the, that they love the most have to keep an arm's length from them. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I do not, I'm not meaning that in a judgmental way. I mean that the, the toxicity of their sin, the, the way that their sin is, has really taken over their lives makes a, a parent say, I love you, but my little daughter can't be around you during this season of your life. Uh, we, we have talked, my wife and I have had conversations about, hey, if family members this or family members that, if it ever gets to a certain point where they continue to do this in front of us, we're going to have to say, guys, if you want us to come back, we, we won't come back in these circumstances. We cannot come back in this environment. You see, sin, if not dealt with, can and will cause an abandonment or an isolation as we talked about last week. I've seen family members that have had to make those difficult decisions. Someone who is uh, maybe substance abuse has taken over their life and they have, they have become so toxic in their relationships that good family members cannot bring their kids around because of sin. Because of sin. Seen families that have literally had to cut someone off because of their abuse and their issues and their sin. In fact, in the last couple of weeks, I've had a couple of different people reach out to me about other folks, and I've tried to follow up to, to, to try to help people, and I've found out that they're so deep in their sin, and they're so deep in their abuse that their family has, to, has had to keep a distance. It's It's tragic. It's tragic. But can I just say this? Such is the life lived in sin. Such is the life lived in sin. You see, that burden's heavy. The sin that you commit that you don't think anybody knows about, oh, it's, it's light at first. It's light. But that sin will continue to get heavier, I promise. Continue doing it, it will continue growing. Continue feeding that flesh, it'll continue growing. And we have that burden and that guilt and that weight that continues to get heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. Can we come to a point of brokenness over our sin? Where we understand that the sin that we are committing in our lives is the reason why Jesus had to die on Calvary. Can we see that the sin in our lives, it is affecting those that we love the most? Can we see that the sin in our lives, it is affecting our own personalities and who we are? It is affecting, it is affecting our effectiveness to be a Jesus-honoring and Christ-following Christian. And so comes the abandonment of sin. And I've not experienced this in my life, but I've seen other people that have had to experience. There is nothing like coming to the end of your rope and realizing there's no one there at the end of that rope. There's nothing like coming all the way down to the end of the rope and realizing this is what it got me. 
Here I am by myself. Sin will. Sin will. I, I deal with some young adults back from my uh, former ministry, some locally here even. And, and there's some, some young adults are like, I'm trying to turn my life around. I'm doing what's right, trying to serve Jesus. I just got no friends. And I say, you know why? It's because all the friends you did have only wanted to partake in the sin with you. And you get down to the end of your rope, you find out that you're by yourself. That you're by yourself. You see, everybody wants to partake in sin with you, but no one wants to help you lift yourself up from a broken state of sin. No one wants to help pull you out of the murk and the mire of sin. No, those people that wanted to participate in your sin run far from you when you try to to, to restore your life out of sin. In fact, there was a young adult who uh, passed, this has been years and years and years ago, young adult that passed away uh, because of uh, alcohol abuse, actually. Um, young man uh, passed away because of alcohol abuse. And do you know what his friends did to honor this boy that passed away because of alcohol abuse? They threw a party at the club and it was free drinks for two hours. Talk about not getting it. And talking about not understanding it. You see, sin will bring you down. Sin will bring you down and you'll find yourself all alone. The burden of sin, the brokenness of sin, the abandonment of sin. But notice, fourthly, the danger. The danger of sin. Verse 12, those also who seek my life lay snares for me. Those who seek my hurt speak of destruction and plan deception all day long. But I, like a deaf man, do not hear. And I am like a mute who does not open his mouth. Thus I am like a man who does not hear and whose mouth is no response. You may have allowed sin to become routine in your life. You may have been able to manage your sin up until this point. But can I say this? You are playing with fire. Can I say that while God may not have allowed you to be completely overtaken yet, that you are playing with fire? Your sin will cripple you at some point. Your sin will bring you low. Your sin will leave you as a person who does not hear and cannot speak. I want us to think about that. Your sin will eventually bring you to a place where you don't listen to anyone. Your wife, sir, can beg and plead with you to stop looking at that uh, nasty, filthy stuff, to, to, stop, to, to, to stop this, this uh, uh, relationship. She's gonna, she can beg you to stop verbally abusing the children, and you don't hear. You don't hear. Ma'am, that your husband can beg with you to, to please to please repent and to please turn from the sin that's, that's affected your marriage and that's affected your relationship and affected your children and you don't hear. 
it's literally in one ear and right out the other. I think we've all experienced other people that way. It didn't matter how much you told them, listen, your addiction is going to ruin your life. Your addiction is going to take your life. Your addiction is so, it's so, please. And they don't hear. And they don't hear. And then, on the flip side, those are the same people that, let's be honest, they, they don't have a voice either. And I mean that in a way that no one listens to them. They lose one word, and that's called influence. Their sin takes them to a place where not only will they not listen to anybody, but nobody really wants to listen to them. They lose their voice. They lose their influence. Sin will leave you as a person who listens to no one, and sin will also leave you as a person that no one wants to listen to. Sin. Sin. Sin comes in many different forms. Oftentimes we major on the sins that show themselves outwardly as fruit. And we often ignore the ones that reside just under the surface as root. And as, as parents and sometimes as church members and as friends, we tend to uh, try to chop the fruit off. Instead of digging down and really taking care of the root. And what we find is we chop the fruit off and then the next few weeks the fruit's back. And we chop the fruit off and the next few weeks the fruit's back. It's because we have root sin issues. And I'm asking you today, what are the sin issues in your life? Because they're there. They are there. Every single one of us struggle with sin issues. So what are the sin issues in our lives? How heavy is the burden of that sin? You say, Josh, I'll be honest with you. It's really not that heavy. Just shoot it straight. Okay? If you continue to allow that sin to exist, that sin will get heavier, and it will get heavier, and it will get heavier. Have you come to a point where you're broken over your sin? Where, however you display brokenness in your life, that's the way you feel about your sin. Have you felt the abandonment that occurs as a result of sin? And do you understand the danger of your sin? There's got to be an answer, right? Certainly, Scripture wouldn't just present the problem and walk away. Certainly, certainly Romans 6.23 isn't the wages of sin is death, period. See y'all next week, right? Certainly, that's not the way the Bible's written, and it's, neither is this psalm. I didn't continue reading in this chapter uh, past verse 14 at the beginning uh, because I wanted us to see this at the end. The answer to dealing with sin is really two words, and the first word I want us to think about is repentance. The answer, this is in conclusion this morning, the answer to dealing with your sin is repentance. Look at verse 17. For I am ready to fall, and my sorrow is continually before me. For I will declare my iniquity. I will be in anguish over my sin. Repentance. He says he's even going to verbally declare the sin that was in his life. 
I'm going to call it what it is. By the way, the sin in your life is not a mistake. The sin in your life is not a bad choice. The sin in your life is not a disease. The sin in your, the sin in your life is sin. S-I-N, and you are right in the middle of it. No, that's I. I am right in the middle of it. Sin. Repentance. You see, repentance, though, is not just a verbal recognition and acknowledgement of the fact that you are living in sin. No, it is a, I acknowledge that I am living in sin, and I acknowledge the sin that is in my life, and I not only acknowledge it before God, but I turn from that sin, and I follow God's leading, and I follow the Holy Spirit and what He has for me and what He wants to do in my life. I follow the Spirit. Repentance. By the way, you will never overcome sin any other way. Can I, can I break it down to you? If sin, if you continue in your sin, you cannot continue in your sin and wind up over there. Simple? Oversimplified? You cannot continue in your sin without repenting and think you're going to wind up over there. No, in order to, to repent from our sin, in order to repent from our sinful ways, it's a stop and acknowledge and a turn. And a turn from that sin. And a turn toward the Spirit and what the Holy Spirit can and will do in our lives. And we can't turn from our sin any other way other than the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the answer to dealing with sin is to repent of your sin. And while repentance is a portion and a part of the gospel that we must understand once and for all for our salvation, it is also a part of our Christian lives that we must deal with on a daily basis. You see, the book of 1 John was written to saved people. And 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all right. It was written to saved people. If we confess our sin, confess, confess, repent, repent. The answer to dealing with your sin is very simple, repentance, repentance. But secondly, and the last closing point that we have, the answer to dealing with sin is dependence. Not just repentance, but dependence. Look at verse 15. For in you, O Lord... I hope. You will hear, O Lord, my God. Look down at verse 21. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. You see, if you're going to live a life in repentance of sin, in following the Spirit, then your life has got to be dependent on Jesus and dependent on God and His work in your life. You see, you cannot fight sin in your flesh. You cannot do it. You cannot fight sin by, uh, by more character in your life. You cannot fight sin by crossing the T's a little better and dotting the I's a little better. You can only fight sin by repentance and dependence. Dependence. Dependence on the Holy Spirit of God. Dependence on your Creator, God. Dependence on your Savior, Jesus Christ. And listen, I'm all for help in dealing with sin. I'm all for 
physical help in dealing with sin. I'm all for mental health in dealing with sin. I'm all for social help in dealing with sin. But there is nothing like the spiritual help of dealing with sin. It's full and total dependence on Jesus. And that means that if you are having an issue with sin in your life, that you put safeguards up around you, yes, great. That you put layers in between you and that sin to where it becomes more difficult for you to get, fine. But at the end of the day, you can work your way around those safeguards. You can fight through those barriers. If you're going to overcome sin, it must be because Jesus calls you to something greater. Jesus calls you to something greater. For in you, O Lord, I hope. O God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. One of the most convicting things that was ever told me was I heard someone say that the struggle of sin is really the struggle of is fill in the blank more important to you than Jesus. At the end of the day, whatever the sin is in your life that you deal with, that you've allowed to stay in your life, is that sin more important to you than Jesus? That was a convicting statement to me. Um, I've never forgotten that. I think about it often. Is what I am saying, the way I am acting, what I am doing, is that more important to me than Jesus? You, you remember Jesus, the one that died for you. You remember him, the one who gave you grace, the one who has given you his spirit, the one who loves you to no end, the one who gave his life so that you might live. Is that person more important to you than your sin? Until we can answer that question with Jesus is greater every time. Jesus is greater than my sin every time. We've got to deal with sin. We've got to deal with it. For me, it looks like a constant daily reminder of confessing and forsaking my sin. It looks like, to me, it looks like a consistent going to my wife and saying, I'm really sorry. It looks like, I'll be honest, like this is not, not dad of the year. It looks like going to my two girls and going, I'm really sorry that I dealt with you like that. I dealt with you in anger instead of dealing with you in the spirit. Sorry. Sorry. It looks like a constant, God, please, I confess again that sin. I confess again what I said. And the way that I said it. Just like I confessed it two days ago. And God, I really don't want to have to confess it again in two days. Sin. We must deal with it. And I really believe the crux of the issue this morning is the fact that we never get point two. And I think the brokenness. The brokenness. I don't think, I think we live such selfish lives. We don't really care. Sin doesn't affect us, doesn't bring us to our knees. 
doesn't bring us to a place of brokenness. And I, I beg you this morning, if you haven't sensed the brokenness of your sin, maybe that needs to be your prayer this morning, is God break me in my sin. Everybody comes to a point of brokenness. We all have different points. I've told people before, if this doesn't break you of your sin, I'd hate to see what God does next in their lives. We all come to a point of brokenness. I want to beg you today to say, God, break me in my sin. Break me in my sin. I want to feel that brokenness so that I can only be restored by you. You can continue playing with your sin. It's not that big a deal. I'm fine. No one really even knows. Okay, that's fine. But it'll happen one day. Be sure that your sin, it will find you out. It will. It'll happen. We must deal with it. Deal with it. You say, Josh, what do we do in response to today's message? We get things right here. We confess our sin. We repent of our sin. Just as I've used, I talk about this all the time. We get it right vertically. But then here's, here's where the pride, get ready. But then in the scenarios where we need to, we get it right horizontally. That's how we deal with our sin. It's not just getting it right here. If we truly get it right here, then we're going to get it right here. And no person gets it right here and ignores this. You didn't get it right. Go back for seconds. All right? Go back and ask. Go back and talk. Because getting it right here will lead to getting it right here. You know what that is? It's the, it's the cross. It's the gospel. It's the beauty of what we have, our vertical relationship with God and our horizontal relationship with others. This morning, can I beg you, before it's too late, before you've ruined your life and others, before your sin has overtaken you to a point where it becomes an addiction in your heart and life that you cannot shake, deal with your sin. This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.church. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.